All right, good morning. Um, the Harvers, they may be coming. I don't see them, but um, me and Emma got a puzzle from the library a couple, couple months ago, and uh, I think it was wolves or something, so it was a lot of the same colors and everything, and we really enjoyed it. So my wife was saying something to Michelle. Man, we love doing puzzles, so she gave us this puzzle. It's just a tiger head, and it's in the shape of a tiger head. And we put it all out, and we got about 15 pieces together in an hour. I was like, this, this is too hard. It, it was very tough. So anyway, I was going to tell her about that. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, before we get started, I got something I want to read to y'all. Got a few things to take care of here. Brother Bill, this is, and Brother Chris, I guess, years of experience in, the, uh, in, the, in business and in the workforce. We got some hillbilly wisdom for you this morning. All right. I gotta find him. Okay, here we go. Hillbilly wisdom, old hillbilly wisdom. Your fences need to be horse high, pig tight, and bull strong. Keep skunks, bankers, and politicians at a distance. Another one, life is simpler when you plow around the stump. A bumblebee is considerably faster than a John Deere tractor. Let's see. Words that soak into your ears are whispered, not yelled. The best sermons are lived, not preached. Uh, if you don't take the time to do it right, you will find the time to do it twice. That happened to me yesterday. I was supposed to work till 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and we ended up, I got home at 10 o'clock in the evening because it wasn't done right the first time. So we paid for it, about eight hours worth. I'm not the foreman. <laughs> Put it that way. And I had eight people on the job, so I couldn't be everywhere at the same time. All right, keep, keep going. We're going to get off that subject. Don't, don't corner something that is meaner than you. This, this one I like, Bill. Don't pick a fight with an old man. If he's too old to fight, he'll just kill you. <laughs> uh, it doesn't take a very big person to carry a grudge. Uh, let's see. When you wallow with pigs, expect to get dirty. I got a whole bunch, but I'm going to give you a few more. Let's see. Uh, most of the stuff people worry about ain't never going to happen anyway. Don't judge folks by their relatives. Let's see. Uh, if you find yourself in a hole, the first thing to do is stop digging. The biggest troublemaker, your biggest troublemaker you'll ever have to deal with watches you from the mirror every morning. Always drink upstream from the herd. Let's see, letting the cat out of the bag is a whole lot easier than putting it back in. <laughs> what else we got? Just a couple more. Here we go. Live a good, honorable life. Then when you get older and think back, you'll enjoy it a second time. Then two more. Live simply, love generously, care deeply, speak kindly, and leave the rest to God. And then the last one, he says, most times it just gets down to common sense. So there you go. Old hillbilly wisdom. All right, so the next thing we need to take care of is, um, I mentioned uh, the gift we want to give to pastor, so uh, you all know what that is. I don't expect that he's going back and listening to, to the Sunday school lesson to see what he can glean from my lessons, so I didn't have Brother Josh uh, turn the live stream off or anything, but um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, haven't heard, you can talk with me, but we are collecting money for their uh, Christmas gift, so don't forget about that. 
All right, and then I want to review real quickly. We got halfway through chapter 12 last week. Um, the second half of the chapter goes a lot quicker, and we already kind of touched on some of it. So I want to uh, review kind of sort of briefly. But I was thinking about this, believe it or not. So last night, my wife said, on my way home, I got home right about 10 o'clock. So on my way home, she said, you want me to uh, make you anything? I said, you know what? Make me some coffee because I was going to stop and I decided not to. And sometimes coffee messes with me. Sometimes it doesn't. So I chanced it last night and I paid for that too. So a whole bunch of bad decisions in the last last 24 hours. But about 2.30 in the morning, I woke up and I was laying there and I was thinking about my lesson. And uh, uh, I got to thinking about the tongues. I'm not going to beat uh, a dead horse on the tongues issue, but uh, me and Nitin were talking about this quite a while ago. And, and one of the things we said about tongues was uh, some of the false or the unscriptural teachings uh, of Pentecostals, I would say, but in, in specifically in reference to tongues and spiritual gifts. But one of the things they, they say is um, uh, tongues is evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, very briefly, I do believe that when, any, when somebody gets saved, there's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. That's why we say, you know, we, our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's why. At salvation, you have the indwelling. Now, then there's a second part of the, the work of the Holy Spirit, and that is the endowment of power, the power that the Holy Spirit gives you to work. And you see this often. There, you'll see a, a preacher who's, you know, maybe, or, or an evangelist or whatever, and it doesn't even have to be uh, somebody in full-time ministry. It can be somebody in the church who just seems to everything they do I don't even want to. I don't even know what word to use, but it's just it's it's uh, effective, or uh, maybe when they talk to people, it just it makes a big impact on your life. Or I'll put it this way: um, sometimes it can be a teacher even that has the power of the Holy Spirit in their life, uh, and and they are very very effective in, uh, especially in like a Christian school or something like that, but in. Uh, teaching and leading kids to to live for God. And why is that? It's not just personality, even though it could be some of that. It's not just um, uh, what they're saying, even though it could be some of that. But I do believe that it's very much that they have the, the Holy Spirit's power in their life. And it's not something that we can uh, drum up. It's not something that we can uh, make happen ourselves, other than making sure that our lives are right and the uh, the, the ground, the soil of our heart and our life is right so that the Holy Spirit can use us. You'll hear pastor talk about uh, God can't use a dirty vessel. That doesn't mean that we can never, ever do anything for God. That doesn't mean we can't serve uh, on, a, on a cleaning crew if, you, if you're not completely right with God. That's not what that means. What he's talking about is God can't use a dirty vessel. The Holy Spirit is not going to empower that person f- for his work. And that leads to the next thing is if uh, another one of the unscriptural teachings of uh, Pentecostals on this idea of tongues is that uh, tongues is, uh, is for private benefit. Um, the Holy Spirit doesn't give us that power so that we can make extra money or whatever. It's for the benefit of the body of Christ. And one of the other teachings that they teach, and we mentioned this last week, and I'm going to talk about this and then we'll move on in our uh, lesson on chapter 12 but 
I didn't get to these verses last week. I don't think if I did, stop me. But go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 4. I want everybody, because we're going to be, all these verses are in Acts, so they're within a few pages of each other. But one of the teachings that they uh, say is um, that tongues is an evidence of the Spirit's filling, right? We already talked about that. And so they say when you are filled with the Spirit, you, you will be able to speak in tongues. That's one of the evidences. But what we're going to read a few of these passages and just, just briefly is many times people in the Bible were filled with the Holy Spirit and tongues is not anywhere mentioned in any of the, in the context of these. So Acts chapter 4 verse 8. I got it's got 4 or 5, maybe 6 verses. Acts chapter 4 verse 8. Uh, then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he is made whole, and he continues on. It doesn't say anything about tongues, but it says he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said these things. So, nothing about tongues. Acts chapter 9, uh, verse 17, and there's, there's a whole bunch in between here. Um, at Pentecost, you had the, the tongues... Uh, the miracle of tongues, we're, way, we're past Pentecost at this point. We're in Acts chapter 9, we're, we're well past Pentecost. Acts chapter 9, verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, you recognize this passage. This is when Paul uh, is blinded on the road uh, to Damascus, and he goes to this, he's in this house, and God sends uh, Ananias. And entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way, as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And what's the evidence of, of his filling of the Holy Ghost? Immediately there fell from his eyes that had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose, and was baptized, and continues on. There's no speaking in tongues here on Paul's part. He's, and, and Ananias told Paul, you're going to receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, next passage, uh, that one was, went through uh, chapter, or verse 20, but there's no, no mention of tongues there. Chapter 11, verse 24. And this is talking about, I believe, Barnabas. Yep, if you look at verse 22, and they sent forth the very end of the verse, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, verse 23. Who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with the purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. Verse 24, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. God used his filling of the Holy Ghost to add people to the body of Christ. Tongues was not involved here. Uh, Acts chapter 13 and verse 9. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil. Um, this is Elamis the sorcerer, or however you say his name, but no tongues here. This is Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, proclaiming to this uh, sorcerer uh, truth. And uh, then lastly, let's see, Acts chapter 13, verse 52 will be the last one. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Doesn't say anything, Miss Barbara. They do, and but it's not necessarily the filling, but it's the baptism. 
And so what, what would they call the baptism of the Holy Ghost? What do they consider that? So, so it's, it's kind of the same thing to both coins, and I'm not a Pentecostal expert by any means. I, I didn't grow up in it. I haven't really, really, really studied it. But I, from what I understand, and if, if anybody has ever been in that, explain to me or tell me if I'm wrong. But I think that it's kind of what we would call um, that, that filling of the Holy Ghost is their baptism of the Holy Ghost, and the evidence of that is the speaking in tongues. So it's kind of the same. I thought I saw a hand go up. When we are baptized? No, no. When we get that power that you were talking about before. Yes, it would be, yes, it would be. That would be the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Yes, it would be that, it would be us being filled with the Holy Ghost. You're, you're indwelt by the Holy Ghost at salvation. Yes. But the filling is, would be, the baptism would be what we call the endowment of power. That the Holy Ghost the now ha you have power that power in your life and it's not a mystical thing and that's what i'm saying I, in a quick five minutes i don't even really want to get into it brother brother eric is there a difference between growing and filling? I mean, when we get saved we're filled with the holy spirit i always consider that the baptism of the holy spirit there is a difference okay. the indwelling is at salvation every truly saved born again person has the holy spirit dwelling inside of them which is what then leads us it's that comforter that, that, that unsaved do not have. That's the indwelling. And then, then there is another part where you are filled with the Holy Ghost. And you see kind of that through the verses we were reading. You'll see uh, Paul filled with the Holy Ghost. Peter filled with the Holy Ghost said these things. It's definitely a different difference from just their salvation where the Holy Spirit dwells them. I have not done a deep enough study on it, so I'm kind of speaking out of turn here as far as baptism and endowment of power. The Bible doesn't use that word. Uh, a lot of the old, uh, old time preachers would have used that endowment of power. But I think it's simple. It's the filling of the Holy Ghost would also be called that baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's, um, it's mentioned, it is mentioned a few times in the Bible, but it's not, it's not really, really uh, um, focused on. And so I think, like I said, I think the Pentecostals then take that and they really make that a focus, this baptism of the Holy Ghost. And their proof of that is the speaking in tongues. So, all right, we're going to move along because uh, I, I want to get through this chapter because we have two weeks off on Sunday school um, here these next couple weeks. So we read those verses. Um, so, so I was talking to Nitin before he left. We, we had this conversation because... The Christians in India are very, very closely connected to Catholics and Pentecostals. It's their Christian movement is very, very Pentecostal, even though they call it their their Christians. Their uh, their even Baptist churches. I remember last week we talked about this new movement of tongues started in the Southern Baptist Church. A Southern Baptist preacher said, "I'm going to revive this gift of the Holy or gift of tongues," and that's where the push started uh, started from. So, uh, a lot of the churches in India that would consider some themselves Christians but not Catholic have this really Pentecostal vibe. So we were talking, and I, I think this, and, and don't hold me to it, this is just my opinion, but I think, and it's even in our lives as well, it's not just the Pentecostals, it's not just uh, Assemblies of God or anything like that. We can do the exact same thing. I believe 
that a Christian that is trying to uh, do, trying to work for God knows that they can't do it on their own. And so they want this power of the Holy Spirit. And I think here's what happens, especially when somebody does feel that power or does have that filling of the Holy Spirit and they have seen God use them in their life. And for whatever reason, whether it's they backslide or they, you know, lose their grip on that, that wanting to be pure, wanting to be right, whatever, they start to lose that power and, uh, but they want to have the same effectiveness, which you cannot have that same effectiveness as if you are, as when you are filled with the Holy Ghost and he's using you. And so then they be, it becomes an artificial thing. We have to drum this power up, this effectiveness up. And I use the example with Nitin uh, because we had a long conversation about it, but I think it's, it's kind of, it would be kind of con- similar to this. If you have a, a Ford Mustang, right? And you've, it's got the, the stock motor in it or whatever, and Brother Eric know more about this than me. But, um, and it's, it's producing all this horsepower, and you, you drive that thing around and burn up the motor, right? And that car sits in your driveway, and it has 10,000 miles on it. still looks beautiful. still looks like a Ford Mustang that could race whatever it wants to, but it has no motor. All right? So you lost all the power. There is no power there anymore. And so, and, and you can compare this to kind of what the, my opinion of what the tongues is. So they're in these churches. God was using these churches maybe, or, or maybe not, or they were in a church that where God was using them, and they lose that power. You can do one of two things. You can go replace the engine or fix it or whatever and get that power back, or you could put a speaker in the car. Don't ever drive it, so nobody knows there's no power there but make it when you hit the gas, it sounds like it's revving up and all of that. Do you understand what I'm saying? It, it's, it's very, very fake, but it sounds good. It looks good. It's very beautiful sitting in the, in the driveway and it's got the noise that it should be making, but there's no power there. And because there's no power, they create a false power, a false uh, uh, look of, look how effective we are. And we were looking at some videos last week um, of some, some of the Pentecostal church services, the music that's being, it's, it's wild up here on the stage. Why do you need to do all that? Because the real power is not there, so you've got to make it look like something's going on here. So, um, yes, Bill? It's emotionalism. It is. It's very much. A lot of it's emotionalism. It makes you feel good. Yes. Correct. I think that's the whole thing. Correct. I think, I, yeah. Makes you look good, feel good. Yeah. Your, your conscience is appeased, right. but you've lost the Holy Ghost. You still have his indwelling if you're saved, right. but you've lost, you've grieved him, and the Bible talks about that. Yes. Yeah. So I. Right. And it goes back to God not using a dirty vessel and all that. So. Anyway, that's, I wanted to touch on that. So I'm not, um, I'm not attacking Pentecostals. I don't really know uh, everything else that they believe, but I know on this tongues thing, it can get very wrong. Yes, sir. Bible 
to enact are these are descriptions of of of, of God's moving and and working through people, and and the the big difference I see in in, in what you're describing um, with with the with the tongues, for example, is is man trying to generate a a path. So yeah, so to maybe to clarify or whatever, I I do think I agree with you that tongues becomes a form of look how spiritual I am. I don't think they even consider it. I wouldn't. I don't think it necessarily would be we must have this for salvation, because I don't even think that's part of the top, the the conversation when it comes to the tongues for say a Pentecostal. I think it's more of look how spiritual I am. I am filled with the Holy Ghost. Now to clarify. God can't use a dirty vessel. Maybe a better way to say it would, because I know Pharaoh and all the rest, God used them. He did to, to accomplish his purpose. But maybe a better statement would be the God is not going to fill with his Holy Spirit and use in that way a dirty vessel because you'll see it all over the place in the Bible that, that you know you can grieve the Holy Spirit where he, he doesn't use you anymore. So certainly Pharaoh was not filled with the Holy Spirit. So maybe a clarification on that. God is not going to fill a dirty vessel and use them uh, in that regards as far as effectiveness. And I, this is not a, a, a lesson on tongues, so I do want to get through this chapter. But I, I see what you're saying, and I, but I do think that that's more what it is, is look how spiritual I am. I speak in tongues because I've had many conversations where they, they just hound on the fact, you have the Holy Ghost, you have the Holy Ghost. What do you mean by that? Have you ever spoken in tongues? They'll come straight out and ask you that. So it's a, it's a, how, how spiritual are you? Yes. And so uh, whether it can ever be used again, you know, is, is that gift completely finished? And, and when we talked about last week, it's the gift of, I believe, gift of languages, you know, uh, a um, easy to learn languages or whatever it is. I think that is the gift of tongues today. Um, whether the actual Anyway, I don't even want to get into it too much more, but um, I believe that that is not 
proof of the filling of the Holy Ghost. I think it is a, a um, we lost the power, we don't know what else to do, let's, let's drum it up and be really emotional and speak in tongues in our services to prove, look, the Holy Spirit showed up today. And I think that's what it has become. All right, so moving on. We were in verse, and I wanted to talk about this. We got about 10, 12 minutes left. So I think this is very, very important and much more, uh, 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 what's the word? Um, much more applicable to us because none of us are out here trying to speak in tongues as far as I know. Um, verse 13 then, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. We talked about that. That same spirit, uh, we are all brought into the same body of Christ. That's what he's talking about there. But verse 14 then, and this is very, very practical. Paul's being really practical here, and it's pretty easy to understand, so we're not going to really, really dwell on it. Um, but, but I wanted to give you a list here real quickly before we get into verse 14 um, about spiritual gifts. There's, there's seven different things. Um, and if you want, hold your place in 1 Corinthians, but turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. All right. But I'm going to give you this list. Inventory of spiritual gifts. They are sovereignly given. And that's what he's talking about there um, in, let's see. Verse, verse 10 and 11, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But verse 11, but all these work at that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Kind of what Brother Scott was saying. This is not something we get on our own from our own merit. These are sovereignly given. And the reason that's important is it doesn't matter what your gift is. If you're an unbelievable speaker and you, you have just this way of taking God's word and, and making it very, very understandable, bringing it down to the normal person, even children's level, that's a gift. But there's no pride in that because it was given by God to you. For what purpose? To edify the body of Christ. And the other reason it's important is don't despise your gift or another person's gift. Well, all I could, I mean, I clean the church, but, you know, that, that's a gift that God gives you to serve. You might not be able to play music. You not, might not be able to sing. You might not be able to preach. You might not even feel comfortable teaching a Sunday school class. But if God gave you a gift to help the body of Christ, don't despise it. And then the, other, the flip side of that is if you are just this great teacher or you are, you know, this great musician, don't despise that, the small gift. Because we'll see in, verse, in chapter 12 later, he talks about that. Some of the smaller gifts are the ones that are, are used the most. They're, the, they're the, the ones that are propped up. So sovereignly given. Secondly, everyone has at least one. I believe that. I believe that when, when uh, you may come out of the world, you're, you're born again, you're, you, you're, you join the church, or you become part of the body of Christ God gives you a gift to use for his purposes. Uh, thirdly, the purpose is for edification. We already talked about that. It's not for self. It's not so that you, uh, to, to uh, promote yourself or to help yourself. It's for edification of the body of Christ. Uh, fourthly, it doesn't necessarily indicate spirituality. Um, this is a gift from God that God will still use sometimes. Remember, now we talked about God won't fill a dirty vessel, but he can still, you're still part of the body of Christ. Think about your physical body. 
if you, uh, you know, it's hard to explain because your hand does what you want it to do, but say for some reason, say, say you have a stroke and your hand just will not work right. You don't just chop it off, right? Um, but if it's working fine, it doesn't indicate you're perfectly healthy either. There can be other things going on. So it's not, doesn't indicate spirituality. Um, let's see, these gifts, and this is where I want to look at in 2 Timothy, they're sometimes neglected. And Paul says that, and I didn't even get there. I got to, flipped over and didn't go there. The second, uh, second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. Come on. I should have had one of y'all read it. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Stir it up. Don't neglect it. And then 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. Is Paul talking to Timothy again? He says, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Don't neglect that gift that you've been given. Uh, I think it's I think someone in the church that is not using the gift that God has been has given them is is sinning against God. I mean, he put that there, puts you there in that body with that gift to help his church. And when we don't use it, we're sinning against him. Maybe not sinning against the church, maybe we are, but we're sinning against God and that should be a whole lot more important to us than oh, I I'm, I'm, you know, not helping the body. You're sinning against God, not using the gift that he gave you, because he very specifically tells us, stir those gifts up. Um, all right, so that's our list of, you know, these, these gifts. What, um, uh, what about these gifts? Now, verse 14, and I'm, I'm rushing a little bit here, but verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. We talked about this last week a little bit. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? That's what, this, that's what I said in that list. Um, don't despise this, the small ones. The, the foot doesn't get a whole lot of attention, right? When we, when we wake up in the morning and we're getting ready to come to church, we're not, we're not over there, you know, going over our feet, right? We're looking at our face in the mirror, looking at our hair, and uh, making sure we look presentable. But without feet, you're not going anywhere. They're very important, even though they're maybe a, a lesser member of the body. And as we say in verse 15, if the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? You know, somebody who, no, oh, I don't get to sing up in, in church, or I don't get to uh, teach, or I don't get to preach. I'm, not, I'm gonna go find a different spot. That's what he's saying here. You have a gift, though, that you do need to use in the body of Christ, whatever that happens to be. Verse 16, and if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Uh, just because we, we say, well, I wish I had that gift and I don't have it. Are you now not a part of the body of Christ where you can say, I don't have to use my gifts? I don't have to stir up the gift that I have been given? He's saying, no, you're still part of the body. You still need to... Uh, uh, put in your part verse 17 and I, this is, I think this is funny because my dad used to say this and, and it would go through my head as a little kid for whatever reason uh, when you say dad I have a question he'd say I'm all ears and I, as a little kid I just remember thinking you know this giant ear walking around but that's what Paul is saying here in seven, verse 17 if the whole body were an eyeball where would the hearing be if the whole body uh, we're hearing, where was the smelling? 
Why does the ear hear and not smell? Because God made it that way. Why does the nose smell and not hear? Because God made it that way. Why does this person in the church have this gift and not that one? Because God made it that way. That's what Paul's trying to get across here. Don't despise, even if you even if you think you have a small part, it's not a small part. What if you couldn't smell? What if you couldn't hear? And some people deal with those. There's a reason we call them handicaps, because it handicaps the body. It's not working the way it's supposed to work. And when, when somebody in the church that's supposed to be doing the hearing or supposed to be doing the smelling is not doing their part, the whole body of Christ is affected. And he talks about that in verse... Um, 26, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. He's not just talking about when a member's hurting. He's talking about when a member's not, for lack of a better term, pulling their weight with the gifts they've been giving. The whole body suffers because of it. That's what he means here. And it can also, he can be talking about when one person's hurting, the whole body hurts. But when one part of the body's not doing what it's supposed to do and it's not performing its, its function, the whole body suffers. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. So um, we've, we are a part of the body of Christ, and that's what I mean by very um, practical here. It's pretty simple to understand. Compare it to a body, and you know how it is when you break a bone, your whole body does suffer because of it. You, you limp, you, uh, you, know, you, you protect it, you, it affects everything you do. Um, all right, and then there's one, one more thing that I really want to talk about, and it's at these, um, and so all the way through there, from verse 15 through basically 28, um, he's talking about these different members of the body, and I think we've covered it. Uh, but look at verse 23. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon those we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. There's a, there's a whole lot of application here, but basically it goes down to sometimes God honors the ones that we think are less honorable. He, he put them there for a specific purpose, and he honors the uncomely parts sometimes. Um, so then moving on to verse 28, I want to I touch on uh, verse 31 as well because interesting, uh, some interesting phrases there. But verse 28, uh, I wrote this down. Uh, where did I write it? About verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. There should be no, I don't know why this isn't moving, but there should be no... Uh, fighting, no hatred, no um, jealousy in the body of Christ. And we've kind of covered that, but not even necessarily just about gifts. But if somebody is, is succeeding in business, be jealous about it. We should be rejoicing with them. And that, that doesn't have necessarily to do with gifts, but it could. God could give somebody the gift of knowing and, and being successful in business so that he can support the church. That is a gift that God can give to people. All right, just a couple minutes left. So verse 28, and God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversity of his tongue. And we kind of talked about that last week where he gives some, uh, he talks about 
Uh, he had the other list where he, the gift of wisdom, where uh, just, uh, being able to understand the mysteries uh, of God's word that we talk, we've talked about before. Uh, not necessarily that they're mysterious, but they're mysteries, maybe things hard to be understood. He gives some gifts to explain those. He gives some the gift of uh, teaching, uh, the gifts of healing. And then, again, we talked about the last thing on this list is tongues, right? Um, verse 29, are all apostles, are all, a prof- are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? Uh, the, the, I believe everybody has a gift. The flip side of that is I don't believe anybody has all gifts, right? Nobody. There's no super Christian with all the gifts, because the body is required to work together to accomplish God's work. But 31, verse 31, but covet earnestly the best, best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And I wrote this down. Uh, what are the best gifts? What is he talking about? Desire the best, covet earnestly, not just desire, covet earnestly the best gifts. He's not saying man, the preacher has the best gift. I I wish I could do that. That's not what he's saying. He's saying covet the gifts that benefit the body of Christ the most. Work toward those. And we, this is the thing with like Emma is, is now learning piano and she's learning the violin. Why? I don't want her to be in a concert hall somewhere someday. That's not the, that's not the goal. The goal is to be able to get up here and use it in church to edify the body of Christ. But covet those gifts. Don't, well, if I have the gift of music, I'll do it. She does, I don't believe she has the gift of music, but she can learn it, and she is learning it. I don't have the gift of music. I know I don't. I took seven years of piano, and I can barely pluck out a melody. I don't have the gift of music. When I went through college and took some music classes, I was so lost. I almost dropped them. If, probably my pride wouldn't let me drop them, but otherwise I would have. I don't have the gift of music. But we can learn it so that we can use it for, for God's work. Covet earnestly those best gifts, the most useful gifts. Uh, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. What is he talking about there? Um, we don't know the mind of Paul. We don't know exactly what he was saying. So we get to kind of interpret what we think he was saying. Um, and I think what he was saying is I show unto you a more excellent way. A more excellent way of finding and a more excellent way of using your gifts. Our pastor has talked about this, and we're done, but he said, he, he's said this several times, and I don't know when he's going to do it, but he's, he wants to put out a list. It's called a gifts test. And what it is is basically, you know, it, it's like 50 or 100 questions to try to, decide, to try to determine where are your gifts at so, so that we can say, hey, well, these are your strong points. We could use you in the church here. That's this gifts test. And I think that's what Paul is saying here. Find out what your gift is. You may not even know what it is right now. Find out what it is and then uh, use it. Find out what's the most, the best way of using that gift that you have been given. All right. But <clears throat> pretty practical lesson outside of the, the first part there with the tongues. And I think that's a very interesting study. And remember, I told you the, uh, the name of that book, if you're interested in really diving deep into it. The Modern Tongues Movement by Robert Gramacki is where some of that information came from, but it'd be a good book to, to go read. Um, but I think the, the, the lesson for us is 
the body of Christ, each person has a very specific role, a very specific gift they've been given. Let's use that as a, as a unit um, so that God's work can be uh, can move forward. And, and I think, like I said, uh, when someone gets mad, God has a plan. He knows what's going on. But when God has a gift that he gives to somebody and they maybe get mad and leave the church, that, that body of Christ hurts because of that. doesn't mean God can't put somebody else in that or give them that gift so that they can fill that spot. But the body is hurt uh, when, one, we're not in that will of God that he has us so we can perform that role that he's given us. So anyway, they are dismissed. So we are going to go ahead and pray and then we'll be finished. Very good uh, conversation. I think it's very important. Very, um, I said this at the beginning, 1 Corinthians is very applicable to the New Testament church. And here's another reason why I think that. Um, this is exactly what we can use uh, in our church daily. All right, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, I thank you for this day you've given us. God, I thank you for um, your people. God, I thank you for each gift that you've given each one. Uh, and I pray that we would, as we saw there at the end of this chapter, use them in the most excellent way we can. I pray that we would be trying to find out what those gifts are that you've given us so that we can use them. I pray that we wouldn't keep them to ourselves, as Paul said in, in Timothy there. Don't despise the gift you've been given and, and exercise it. And I pray that we would do that. pray that you bless this next hour. And I pray that you'll be with our pastor as he preaches. Give him power. Give him the words to say as he preaches and, and prepare our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And we're dismissed.